Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Well, today's a special day because it's Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, we do what's called Travel Tuesday at the ELA, where each week we get the chance to dial in one of our members from around the world to give us a little bit of insight as to what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. And today, we'll learn a little bit more about the state of West Virginia. So I'm pleased to welcome to the show, Brian Coakley, who's a partner at Steptoe & Johnson. Brian, good to see you. Thanks, Steve, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about my great state of West Virginia. Well, it's definitely a unique state in a whole lot of ways. And, you know, I think it might be fun to sort of give people an insight as to what it's like. You know, when I think of West Virginia, I think of old-time labor relations. You know, the Miners Union, you know, was probably the most powerful union in the United States at one point. What's it like now? Are unions a big deal in West Virginia? What's the landscape like right now? Well, we still have very strong unions. Sort of depends upon the section of the state that you're living and working in. We're like a lot of states. Different parts of our state are different from from other parts. We have the southern coal fields that are still have a very strong union mindset. And then we have the suburbs of Washington, D.C. over in what we call our eastern panhandle that do not have much of a history of unionization. The northern panhandle, which has had steel industry, a lot of manufacturing jobs up in the Pittsburgh area, very strong union down the Ohio River. But West Virginia is a very rural state. You know, we're one of only two states in the entire nation where we do not have a city above 50,000 people. We in Vermont share that distinction. So it's a very rural state. It's a state that has an economy that's in transition. Coal mining is still an important part of our economy, especially in southern West Virginia. But it has been through a substantial decline. And we are transitioning not only in terms of our economy, but just the energy that we produce. We've been a big oil and gas producer the last 10, 15 years. And so we're seeing more of that. We are not seeing coal-fired power plants built in our state. In fact, they're being decommissioned. We're actually starting to see green energy and renewables, which is new for West Virginia. But we're, we're definitely in an economy that is in transition. We've always had a strong tourism base. It's a very beautiful state. We have the mountains in the east, lots of outdoor recreation opportunities. It's a great whitewater rafting state. We have three or four ski resorts, a lot of mountain biking, a lot of hiking. So if you love the outdoors, it's a wonderful place to live. And tourism is becoming a bigger and bigger part of our economy. We have the the nation's newest national park, the New River Gorge National Park. So we're very proud of that. So, you know, it's interesting, as you say about, because you do have land and your cost of living is low. During COVID, were you seeing many folks like from, you know, California or other parts of the country move there during the pandemic? Do you have much in the way of sort of those, you know, kind of remote workers? You know, Steve, it's not showing up yet in our statistics, I don't think. If you looked at the census numbers, we still seem to be losing some population. But anecdotally, I do know that a lot of folks relocated, at least temporarily, to West Virginia. And I know in our community, we used to have a lot of for sale signs. In the last couple of years, those have gone away. And I do think that we have folks moving back to our state. It's a very safe 
place to live. Quality of life is very strong. A lot of family ties. West Virginians are a very proud people. We're very family oriented. And we've had a lot of young talent that has started migrating back. The work from anywhere phenomenon is certainly can only benefit West Virginia. So in terms of that, if I was a tech company in the Bay Area and I had employees relocate to West Virginia, or maybe I'm an overseas company that buys a plant somewhere in your state, what would I want to know about sort of human resources and employment law? What would be important for me to know? Well, I think you have to start with the politics of the state because that influences everything, certainly does in our state. And we have been going through a sea change. In fact, we've gone through it for most of my lifetime and really for decades and decades. The Democratic Party dominated politics in West Virginia. To the extent that we had a two-party system, it was all within the Democratic Party, the business wing of the party and the progressive wing. Right now, West Virginia has made a complete shift to the Republican Party. Every statewide office, with the exception of one, we have one U.S. senator that you may have heard of, who is a Democrat. Most powerful guy in the Senate right now, right? He basically is dictating which way the wind blows. He has had his moments. But he is the, he is the sole Democrat in the entire congressional delegation, the entire state house. Our, our legislature has super majorities of um, Republicans. So what has happened in the last six to eight years is that we have had a lot of reform. We are now a right to work state, which 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, would have been unimaginable. We have abolished our state prevailing wage law. We have done all types of reform with regards to employment litigation. And we have established this past year something that a lot of the business community has been looking for, and that is an, an intermediate appellate court. So for since the state's founding, we have had only one appellate court. And so if you had a bad result in front of a circuit court judge in some remote corner of the state, if you could not get into the Supreme Court of our state, then you might be out of luck. You just didn't have much of an appellate remedy. So we have an intermediate appellate court. It's not of general jurisdiction. It only limited matters can go up to it. But I think it's going to have a significant impact with our judicial system because I think the judges are going to be paying attention a little more to what the intermediate appellate court does. It's just the oversight that you have. So before we wrap things up, an issue that's come up a lot in our Travel Tuesdays has been with the amount of employees moving around the country what different states are doing on things like non-competes, protecting trade secrets. What's the state of law in West Virginia? Are non-competes still enforceable? And are you seeing a lot of action in that area? We were seeing some, especially in the healthcare field. A lot of the healthcare employers seem to want to try to lock up a talent. Now, with regards to physicians, there's been some statutory reforms there are geographical and temporal limits on what you can do. So you have to pay attention to that if you employ a physician in West Virginia. But non-competes are allowed. They are, Our case law is a little bit muddled on that. It's a little bit stronger if you have a non-solicitation, non-service type agreements. The courts are more apt to enforce that. If you try to do a non-compete with a low-level, low-paid employee, you're not going to have much luck with our circuit court judges. You're not going to be able to show a, a protectable interest. 
Now, with regards to the sale of a business that comes up from time to time, now that that is very favored and the courts will enforce non-competes related to the sale of, of a business. Brothers, if I sell my business to somebody else, you can say to me, the quid pro quo is you can't compete against us for some period of time. Right, which is a very pro-business viewpoint. Some people don't see it that way, but that gives value to small business people who want to sell their businesses because then they have something to sell. And if it's not enforceable, then you're not selling something of value. Great. Well, this has been a great discussion. Thanks so much, Brian, for your help and your insights. If you'd like to connect with Brian Coakley, very easy to do. You'll find his bio by clicking on his name in the descriptions podcast. We encourage you to visit ela.law to receive invitations to other upcoming webinars, download our white papers, and maybe most importantly, access the free online compliance platform called the Global Employer Handbook, which provides up-to-date information on the labor employment laws in all 50 states, every Canadian province, and over 100 countries around the world. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thank you so much for listening.